0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: Welcome back, fellow American patriots and minutemen standing at the ready to fight for the issues that matter in the way they matter, and most importantly, at the actual time they matter, not when it's too late, because we are always skating to where the puck is, ahead of the curve, not being flattened by the curve. Daniel Horowitz back here, For today, January 20th, it's already Friday. And I used to like Fridays, but now I hate them because I have so much in my stack here to get to, and the week is almost over. Last night, I had a long conversation. I was up pretty late with a member of Congress, and we just had a heart to heart conversation. What is it we need to focus on? What is it we can do? What is it we're striving for in this late hour? four decades into a fake conservative movement, fake party, subversive, controlled opposition. And it's tough. And and the point I made is I said what we ultimately need to do is treat it like a triage situation. You have to get to the basics. Don't focus on legacy issues. Like we say, the issues that don't matter and the way they don't matter, the time they don't matter. Don't focus on my principles. You know what I mean? In the abstract. Look literally at life, liberty, and property. What is killing us and our liberty and our ability to just to function and work around that? You know, Obviously, we identified the, the, the biomedical tyranny, surveillance, experimentation, vaccines. That's literally the life issue. We talked a lot about that this week. We're going to continue talking about that. The other half of that, what I would say is number two, is the global warming climate, carbon, fascist agenda. If you think about it, the quality of life, the quality of goods and services, the cost of everything – Think about how consequential these scientific lies are, where they could assert a science and say, basically, you can't disagree with it, and it affects every aspect of our life. How much of our lives, how many billions of lives were affected, destroyed, based on utter lies where the opposite was true with COVID? Well, it's the same thing with the global warming agenda. And that's been around for two decades, except post-COVID Great Reset, They mean business. This Agenda 2030 is the real deal. So these are the type of issues we're going to focus on more, and that's why we're going to do something different today, a little bit fun too, talk about the weather. (laughs) We're going to try to do to global warming what we did with COVID to get to the core scientific lies so we can go categorical because this is the point. Republicans agree to the premise of global warming just like they agreed to the premise of covid fascism so i'm going to get to that later with our meteorologist coming up um wanted to get to a couple of things first uh, just just first want to get this um off the table here i am really excited about renewing our sponsorship our partnership with itargetpro.com so we talked about their laser bullets that you put in your gun a laser bullet you shine your phone on their their app on a board, and it literally times your shots, renders your shots, saves you money, time going out to the range, and you could practice getting good on your muscle memory, drawing from the holster. Since iTarget Pro did that, a lot of others have come out with similar products. But I'm I'm proud to announce a very new product, and I want you guys, even those of you who have gotten the original iTarget, they now have iTarget Cube. Which, by the way, is fully compatible with your existing laser bullet. So you don't have to purchase another bullet. You purchase these cubes. They come in packs of three, but you can get the app works with, with as many as 25. What are they? You could station the cubes anywhere in your house. You have the app, phone app and then shoot at them. So you could practice house clearing, timing. You could even have com- competitions with two people, see who could hit each target quicker, Um, So you have multiple targets. There's many different modes that you could use. Um, You know, again, competing with a friend, practicing clearing drills, using random mode to test your ability to to react. Um, All while the system times every shot you take. It is so much fun. And most importantly, you're not just believing in my Second Amendment rights, but you're actually practicing the life of a conservative, when it actually matters. So right now, if you go to itargetpro.com, you could save 10% plus free shipping with offer code CR, as in conservative review. Um, again, it comes with most calibers from 9mm to two two three in your rifle. It's the easiest, cost-effective way to train. And now it's just a whole lot of fun and innovative. So go look for their iTarget Cubes. You can, get, um, you can get one, but they come in packs of three, and you, can, and you can literally station as many as 25 targets in your home and practice clearing drills. Uh, this is really a lot of fun. I'm about to set mine up, so you follow my lead and go to itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So what I mean by this is, look, next week Republicans are going to have a bill to prevent Biden from drawing down the strategic petroleum reserves. And yeah, I mean, that's nice, but it doesn't speak to the public that we are going to put a moratorium. By the end of the year, every regulation that affects the quality and price of a vital good and service in this country will reset and have to come up for congressional authorization. Something like that. I mean, you could use your imagination. Be categorical. Speak to the betterment of people's lives. And, you know, tied into that, talking about fighting on the right issues and the way they matter and at the time they matter, House Oversight Committee, they announced, you know, under James Comer, their first oversight hearing. You know what it's going to be? On the border. Not on vaccine injury. I wrote a book on the border. I covered it with I probably have more written columns on illegal immigration than anyone alive over the last 15 years. I covered the cartels, but I covered it when it was subtle and it wasn't known to the public. We know what's going on. There's nothing oversight to do. It's a blatant invasion. No one, everyone in the country knows about it. You got to act now. There's nothing to discover. When we actually needed this, they were against us. So now it's the border. <laughs> They're always moving on. It's like, and again, frankly, as much as I have passionately for years talked about the fiscal cost, the crime cost, the cultural cost of illegal immigration, and I, and I, I literally, I, I, you know, if you add up all my columns, you know, thousands of columns I've written over the years and shows, it probably has the most content from me on that issue. Honestly, they can't harm us nearly as much as what the government is doing with medicine, biomedical experimentation, and taking away our food and fuel. And when I say fuel, it's, it's, it's the lifeblood of the economy. It's everything. Literally everything is going to become expensive and scarce. And depleted and degraded in quality. This is not funny. The wind, ethanol, solar, electric car agenda. That Republicans to this day buy into... That is killing us. That's going to create starvation. But obviously the died suddenly is the biggest thing. I can't believe we're living in a time where it's no longer a big deal. Yeah, is it 400,000, 500,000, or 600,000 people died in America? Is it 3 million severely disabled, 4 million? Like, what? And they're continuing this with RSV in every kid in a few months? So I talked to this member of Congress and I said, hey, um, I know you're not on oversight, but you know, have you have you uh, any insight into to where they're headed with with COVID fascism and and this whole issue? And he said, you know, Comer basically said, "Look, this is not where the media is at. So they determine their agenda based on where the media is. So it's Biden versus Trump on documents and this and that. That's where they'll go. This is the core problem. They don't look at every day. I." I look at the country and say, how could I do triage? What are the most impactful things to our lives that we can do? Maybe some days I do a better job, but that's what I try to do. There's no effort by that. It's what the media is focusing on. You make them focus on it. You get together. If they would all hold hearings and Conservative ink and all these talkers would focus on this, it would be a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is the problem I have. You go to a lot of even the Freedom Caucus members in these state legislatures. It's like they'll be more emphatically pro-gun, pro-life, and pro-lower taxes and pro-education freedom vouchers than the rest of the Republicans. And and that's that's nice. But it's like these issues that are much more triage issues. It's not even on their radar. I, don't, I just don't get it. You know, another thing they're going to do next week, they're going to vote on a national sales tax. Like, this is really what we're doing. We're back to debating fair tax, consumption tax. Look, in principle, I support it. But it's just like, in the time we live in, the reality is it's not the issue. And all you're going to do is be on the hook for creating a national sales tax. I know, I know, I know, I know. That you're abolishing the entire income tax. But it's very easy to demagogue. And the reality is, whether you like it or not, a good number of people will be paying more taxes. (laughs) Now, whether that's fair or not is a different story. I'm not debating that. I'm just saying the reality is, because largely the Reagan, Bush, and Trump tax cuts, a good number of the country, more so than ever, have a zero or negative federal income tax liability. And some, it's enough that it even zeroes out their payroll taxes with their earned income tax credit, additional child tax credit, which was you know almost doubled under Trump. You know, good for better for worse. So you know, you swap that out with a national consumption tax. You know, look, I'm just going to tell you. Whereas here, if we're trying to say we're going to fight Big Pharma on their way of killing people, we're going to fight all of the global warming agenda that makes you pay more. You know, probably fifteen twenty thousand dollars more for your products and services, everything you want to do. That, to me, is a better message, and it just speaks to the issues more. But it's either one-offs, butt Biden legacy issues. That's what I mean on focusing on the issues that actually matter. And by the way, you can do this in your private lives as well. What matters is to stop funding those who hate us. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative mobile provider now offers service with all three major networks. What does that mean? If you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee that if you're not happy with the coverage, you can switch anytime. Because I think this is the biggest thing. Everyone's reluctant to, you know, and I'm reluctant to do that with other products too. Like, I don't know, is it worth it? Um, but, but folks, if you call... PatriotMobile.com slash CR or 878-PATRIOT. It's a different number, by the way. They changed their uh, U.S.-based number. It's 878-PATRIOT. You'll get an American on the phone you can actually talk with and make the switch. You'll see it's all gain and no pain, the opposite of the Pfizer genocidal shots. Um, they actually help fund and donate to you know litigation for life, liberty, property, family values. So this New Year's resolve to stop supporting companies that hate you stop paying for the noose that hangs yourself utilize one of the few major services that we can actually utilize through our values at patriotmobile.com slash cr or call 878 patriot so folks another thing and i'm just throwing out kind of random things before we get to our guest another thing to focus on three red state gubernatorial races Coming up, the primaries in a couple months. Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi. I just saw Mississippi. Tate Reeves. He's running for re-election. Typical do-nothing corporatist loser that wastes a red state and turns it into nothingness and emptiness. Turns it into garbage. You know, this guy in this environment, think about it. Red state This environment, with the economy the way it is, and Biden as president, he's only leading his Democrat opponent in in a latest Siena poll by three points. It's insane. That is utterly insane. 57% want a new person. Shouldn't we change this out? Isn't it time we make a change? Where is the movement to do this? I need help. So if you're from Mississippi, you want to be a team leader there, part of our Liberty Strike Force team. I, I know there will be an exciting primary for lieutenant governor, which is more powerful in the south than other parts of the country. Um, the governor's relatively weaker. Lieutenant governor is relatively stronger, controls the state senate. But 57% want someone else. And remember, Mississippi is a funny state. It's solidly red in the sense that almost all the whites are Republican, but... Like, 40% of the state's black. It has a massive black population. So that's why, unlike the other solid red states, you're not going to see, you know, plus 30 margins. The margins might only be plus 10. But it's pretty solid because it's a consistent majority-minority scenario. But, you know, the margin is not that amazing there. So if you have a loser Republican, you could actually lose it. So I'm saying not only is he just a typical corporatist, he's struggling to even win there. But again, no focus because it's all about the presidential election and Nikki Haley wants to run. I'm wondering if she's going to have a vaccine passport requirement at her uh, <laughs> announcement address. And then Trump's constant mooning of us, which is all we focus on. It's all we focus on. Now, a couple other things here just to clear the decks in case we don't have time later. Um, big important bill... Um, HB 66 in Wyoming. Again, if you want to join the Wyoming team, conaction.network, sign up. Jeanette Ward, she's a freshman, actually filled in for the district of Chuck Gray, my buddy there. He was the conservative leader until now. Now he's the secretary of state and lieutenant governor. Um, She has a categorical bill, no discrimination based on any vaccine or mask or testing anywhere, hospitals, anywhere, public, private. It's currently getting a hearing right now. I have Dr. Richard Urso testifying there. So this is the type of thing I work on during the day to try to make happen. And this is what we're doing. I'm trying, trying the best I can. You know, I don't just complain. I get on the playing field. But I want to get back to today for to, to global warming. Global warming science is like the virus science to our economy, our liberty, our quality of life, food, fuel, and everything. The the eerie eerie similarities between the two issues are, are just amazing. And, you know, Republicans did to us the last two decades on global warming what they did on COVID, which is they agreed to the premise, you're right, this is a big problem, the problem is true, the science behind it is true, it needs to be redressed, but just do it in a responsible way, don't do it too extreme, that causes too much pain. That's essentially their view once you see that moral high ground you totally lose it you totally lose it and the difference between republicans and democrats and this is an issue where you do have some industry support and you do have unanimity of opinion among republicans but it's nuanced it's like whereas the democrats want to subsidize the heck out of wind solar electric cars ethanol and other garbage to get rid of fossil fuels, they'll say, let's do the two alongside each other. Okay? So they agree to the regulations, a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them, and they agree to almost all of the subsidies, all of the above. Well, what that does is it boxes it out. Electric cars, I mean, literally, Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, all these Republican governors, they support it with as much energy as the left. This is from the UK Telegraph. Electric cars now more costly than petroleum cars for long journeys. Um, Take a look at that. The RAC said it costs an average of 70.32 pounds per kilowatt hour to rapid charge a car. It's a fortune now. It's, It's downright more expensive to operate it after paying a fortune increasingly high. Republicans bought into that the other big grift Republicans are buying into, and I have a column out from yesterday at the blaze. It's titled, if you want to look it up, Republicans must stop accepting premise of carbon climate fascism agenda. It is this carbon capture sequestration business. They're like, you're right. It's dirty. It's global warming. So they agree to the premise But, you know, it's too hard to fully get rid of fossil fuels. Let's try to capture the carbon. So they have this whole thing to grab it in the air and put it underground and store it. It is a fortune. It's not feasible to implement something like this commercially. The amount you would have to do to make a dent in the carbon, even their fake science model, that that would actually reduce the problem when, in fact, actually... You know, green energy and, and coal have swapped places. You have more green energy than ever before, and carbon went up 1.3% last year. Um, and incidentally, temperatures aren't going up. So green energy is going up, carbon's going up, and yet temperatures have not increased since 2015. right? So that kind of trend that you saw from the late 90s or early 90s to the 2000s, it's, it's actually been reversed largely. You know, it's a lot of it's local. Some places are hotter than normal a couple of years. Some places are colder. They swap places. And we're going to be talking about that with our guests. That's what weather is. But the reality is every Republican, every Republican is bought into this, spending trillions of dollars on this stuff in Iowa and the Dakotas and Indiana and all their state of the state addresses. We're going to be carbon neutral by 2030. Literally, Agenda 2030 is up there with the eugenics COVID vaccine agenda and transhumanism, Republicans are touting it. They just don't say we're going to get rid of it. They say, well, we'll do carbon capture. And this is where ExxonMobil and Chevron come in. So the industries created this triangulation. It's a perfect issue because you get to keep your fossil fuels. The industries get to, you know, it's not going to come out of them. Like everything else, half of it, taxpayers subsidize. And the other half, they pass on to the consumer. This carbon capture crap. But stop accepting the premise. And that's where I want want to get to our special guest today. So folks, as I mentioned earlier, my goal this year is to really get more into the nitty gritty of the carbon climate issue, because what they are doing on this issue is the equivalent of what they did on COVID. And, and one of the things, that probably the greatest feedback I got in my career, is aside from getting on the field with policy and everything we're doing in the legislatures, our activists, Liber- liberty strike force teams, is the actual information we were able to put out. What they did and what they're going to continuously do, this is the way they pick our lock, is they pick a highly technical issue they create a problem or contrive a problem or you know, mixture of both. And then they turn to us and they say, look, this is the science. This is what the experts say. We're going to die if we don't do this. And then based on that premise, before a debate even commences, they shut it down and make life-altering civilization changes based on that. Everyone knows now with COVID, that's what was done. That's what's still doing. That's what we're fighting. But with this, when you talk about food and fuel, and fuel is every aspect of our economy. Prosperity, access to goods and services, um, poverty, literally people eating and living, especially when you look at the third world and what they're going through. This is not funny anymore. And for too long, because it was a dense issue, just like you saw with Republicans with COVID, they kind of gave into the issue. Yeah, you're right, but maybe there's a more responsible way of doing it. Before you do something like that, you go to a doctor and he says, "We're gonna have to chop off your arm, right? We're gonna have to amputate it." Well, I mean, there might be a time that that's true, but boy, are you gonna make sure that's a hundred percent sure and consensus before you go and do that? Before we go and embark on this, and who says the premise is correct? But the problem is, you know, just like it took a Peter McCullough, a Robert Malone, a Ryan Cole to navigate some of those issues, same thing here. Most people don't know atmospheric. Science and the biology behind it, the physics behind it, the weather patterns, and like all industries that tie into this, you have the capture, and this is the thing. 95% of scientists, of doctors, believe this is safe and effective. Whoops, actually, it's negative effective and very unsafe. Same thing with climatologists. 95% believe in it. And we're left thinking, well, we kind of know it's wrong, but we don't know how to properly articulate it. They're very good at using superficial anecdotes. Um, you know, illusory evidence kind of looked like maybe the vaccines worked at the beginning. Maybe it's worthwhile. That's what they do. So with us today, and and I really want to start this as a partnership, um, someone I've long heard for many years wanted to have on is Joe Bastardi. He's the chief forecaster for WeatherBell.com, a climatologist. He knows the history and trends of weather like I do. The history and trends of politics, um, and he's he, like I said, he's been been around for many many years. But I think it's time to bring out his voice and augment it. He's been you know talking about snowstorms and hurricanes on certain shows for this thirty two years at AccuWeather. By the way, make sure to follow him at Big Joe Bistardi on Twitter really really good info he also has a short book out that's kind of very consumable it's still available um it came out about two years ago the weaponization of weather in the phony climate war well therefore we're going to talk about weather today joe thanks so much for joining us for the first time today
0: well thank you for having me on it's certainly a pleasure and an honor and i've always wanted to talk to you and always uh been a big fan uh, but uh I, I, I want to say I'm a meteorologist, but I was raised, Got it. I, I was raised on climatology and my dad, who was a meteorologist, taught me from the get go that the, uh, uh, everything I do in life and even in the weather, the foundation where you stand today was built yesterday to reach for tomorrow. What does that have to do? You have to know and understand the past to understand and put in perspective where you are now to be able to reach into the future. And of course, forecasting the weather is reaching into the future. And with my partner, Joe DeLeo at WeatherBell, we're the two oldest now, or most experienced forecasters uh, on a global level that are left in the game in the private sector. I'm 67, Joe's in his 70s, and we have basically... Uh, the way we've become very, very successful is that we we meticulously study weather patterns. Um, and part of it is because uh, we both love the weather so much. People may binge watch this or that. You know what I do? I get on the WPC <laughs> weather site and binge watch weather maps. Uh, the, you know, with the Texas freeze, for instance, Daniel, we call, we, uh, we call that 10 days in advance. You know why? I was looking at maps Back in 1899, they actually had weather maps, and you could see the similarities uh, setting up wow. that led to, right? So, uh, okay, with Hurricane Ian, we called that 10 days of events. In fact, I had an article in CFACT. I wrote it on the Monday, uh, nine days before. It didn't get on Fact till a week before. And at that time, uh, uh, Ian was just a mass of clouds coming into the Southeast Caribbean. And I said, attention, Governor DeSantis. To, this is a, this you could go look at cfax google it and you could see these things happening now the reason i can see things like that is because when i see a weather pattern developing i have already seen it before because i've looked at map after map after map after map yep. so i have to apply what i do because in the private sector and let me say noah and the National Weather Service are outstanding in their forecasting abilities. So to, to be able to justify someone paying me for something that they could get for free, essentially, I have to be better. I have to add value. Now, I love that stuff. Yes. I, used to, I used to wrestle. I wrestled at Penn State, and uh, we were pretty good then, not as good as we are now. But I learned to compete. My father always taught me you have to compete. And the weather you don't compete against other people. You compete against the actual result. And this is a big, big problem with climatologists. Uh, none of them really have forecasted the weather. And, uh, and I can understand. See, I know their argument about CO2. Wait a minute. Hold on a
1: second. Hold on. None of them forecasted the weather. I want to I take that slow. Okay. I want to take that slow. That's a very profound thing because this is what we noticed with covid Epidemiology—it's a BS profession because they don't treat patients. All the guys right. who are actually treating patients had a different story. That's Literally, right. everyone who said what they were saying refused to treat a COVID patient. That was the whole issue.
0: That, that, that's that's exactly the reason I linked uh, two chapters in my book to COVID. I mean, uh, I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I wrote the I wrote the, I've written two books actually. The first one is the climate chronicles inconvenient revelations you won't hear from al gore and others <laughs> speaking of al gore but we'll i guess we'll talk about him a little bit later but the fact the fact is that yeah the, and this does not come down you got to understand folks climate weather all this stuff is a red herring to hide the real agenda now you might say well okay a lot of people say okay he's a right-wing conservative or whatever well what else could it possibly be life has never been better on planet earth we had we had one quarter the amount of people in 1930 on the planet than we do now and yet there were 28 times more deaths from weather and climate related issues in 1930 now are you trying to tell me that uh, we haven't have it if there's such a disastrous warming coming that we haven't so, adapted to. It's why Alex Epstein. Uh, have you ever spoken with Alex Epstein? You can get him on if you. I,
1: I have his book. I have his uh, book on fossil I'll fuels. What, he, uh, lo- he's going to be on the show soon.
0: Yeah. Well, he, you know, he's got better hair than me too.
1: But <laughs>
0: but he's exactly right. It's it's and I. But he at, won't at your age. <laughs> I, I, I I I look at it in a spiritual way that uh, the problems are meant for us to adapt and advance. And that's exactly if, if the, even if there was a problem, mankind doesn't go anywhere by being comfortable and complacent. I mean, the natural order of things. And this is something yep. Dad dad said to me, he says, weather and climate are nature's way of trying to solve an imbalance that she can't because it's inherent in the system. All right. And when you look at nature, when you look at your own life on a personal level, and Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this chaos and order chaos occurs by, uh, you know, challenges come into your life, you restore order. And what happens? You get stronger. So what these people have done is they are basically saying, instead of man being controlled by nature and us having to adapt to it, they're claiming that they are so smart. They somehow can control nature by controlling you. You see what I'm saying? So, and, and now this comes back. That this even circles uh, further because if you folks have ever listened to me, I see a spiritual aspect to it. What's the greatest gift God gave to any man is free will, freedom to try to yeah. reach beyond his grasp. What are we seeing going on now? We are seeing it literally a dehumanizing uh, uh, agenda. Okay, say, trying to stratify people all in a layer all in a lower layer, so they're no longer upwardly mobile. And what happens is the people at the top, the smart people, the Klaus's, the Gore's, or the Kerry's, or whoever think they're really smart, are now in charge of trying to elevate society. Therefore, they portray themselves, whether they know it or not, they try to take the place of uh, God. And whether And, and whether you believe in God or not, folks, I know this. John Kerry and Al Gore are not god. Okay? I I think we can safely assume that. So you don't have to
1: you don't <laughs> and, have to. And that's that's what it is and I think people get their agenda. I think that much people get that the climate is a red herring. But obviously it's being used and 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 yeah. what I in my line of work the problem I have is that whether it's in state legislatures, whether it's in um Congress if it's it the, the left obscures it in a red herring that's super technical, so people don't feel it's actually not engaging it, on it.
0: It's actually not that technical. All, All right. right, it's a safe. Well, so t-
1: that's that's what let, let's start from there. Let's start from there because I want I want to get to the core lies. You know, obviously their their position is that anything that creates freedom and prosperity creates carbon and that necessarily warms the earth, but then not really warm, even if it cools, more rain, less rain. Anything you don't like in the weather is because of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, they in order to stop it, here's what you need to do and done. But the question I think people in my audience will want to be armed for debate is this. Is that okay, so how much of it is warming, but maybe for a period of time, maybe in certain areas, but not everywhere, how much of is of it it is for, you know, cyclical atmospheric memory, like you said, it kind of goes through cycles. How much of it is there's certain emerging trends? You know, what? Yeah. And I know this is a dense issue, but if we could take the core issue, the evidence you have right now and some of the recent things you've been putting out that demonstrate what a what is and isn't happening and then an attempt at the why.
0: OK, well, first, first of all, uh, in terms of the geological time scale, I'm uh good friends with uh, Gregory Whitestone and the folks, uh, Dr. Will Happer over at the uh, uh, CO2 coalition. They're exactly right. The warming that's occurring now in terms of the earth's history is nothing. It's next to nothing. The thing is though, that what these uh, are laughing at what they've actually uh, pulled off is that they're they're trying to claim that this short little period of time that you've uh, looked at is everything. And, What actually is happening is if you look at the geological time scale, we are in a entering, we're not quite there yet, we're entering a climate optimum, not (laughs) climate extreme, a climate optimum. So all through history, the global temperature that we get by proxies that is now uh, is warmer than uh, what it was 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, all through history, that's referred to as a climate optimum. Now, how does a climate optimum somehow turn into a climate emergency? The emergency is that uh, in, this, um, in this, you know, agenda they have, they realize that this is the way to try to go to one world, one party governance. Uh, you know, uh, they, if you talk to anybody in China or North Korea, they think they're, they're a perfect uh, democratic society. Yeah, everybody gets a vote, you know, sure. and it all counts. But uh, when you only have one person running or two people running and they're both from the same party, that's not the, that's not the same thing as uh, the exchange of ideas and the freedom that we have to talk about yeah. that. So uh, what happens is they use that. And because we don't teach our kids to critically think anymore, all right. We don't teach our kids to question authority, not accept authority. This is what's this is what's happened. You know what I, I, I look. Li- so in
1: other words, what they would do is let let's just say, Joe, that, you know, I live here in Maryland and a lot of the elites that govern America are in that I-95 corridor from Washington to Boston. And, you know, there's not been a lot of snow the last whatever, five or so years. And this year is really almost, you know. We've gone to late January, no snow here. Well, that's happened before. It has been a before. very mild January. So, yeah, no, I understand. So they'll pick a time, and then they'll say, oh, look, it's, it's warm. It's unseasonably warm now. Yeah, and then no one thinks about, well, if it's troughing in one, it's ridging in another part of the country or the world, you know, in other times. So kind of give us a sense of, is it even before the why and what's causing it, anthropogenic or, or you know, the sun or the currents or whatever, but is it even? Are we even in a warming trend? And is it universal across the globe? Because in the 1930s, we certainly had a lot of high records that were set before. You know, a lot of this, uh, you know, manufacturing that they don't like. What is the trend itself, or do we even? could we even measure that?
0: Well, it's warming. It's it's warming. It's distorted warming. It's warming most in the coldest, driest areas during their cold cold dry seasons because it's an increase in water vapor the water vapor is coming from the warming of the oceans now what's warming the oceans their argument is that man's input of point zero 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 one two five of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere has somehow become the magical carbon dioxide ferry that is warming the ocean and when you look at the feedback arguments that they make and believe me i I read, more, I read more of the other side, the serious scientists, the Michael Manns, yeah. the Tremberts. all these guys are serious scientists. And as long as the earth keeps warming, they have the right to focus on what they believe is true. What they don't have the right to do is shut down other opinions, which is what yeah. they do because they don't want to get caught in the nasty little area of forecasting the weather. Because uh, I can tell a lot of times, when they make statements, they don't forecast the weather. The classic example, and I'm, pre- I'm preparing a huge PowerPoint on this. I'm hoping I get a chance to speak down at Heartland um, on this. Um, the classic example is the uh, attempt to erase the medieval warm period. Right? Well, what happens is yeah. this. If you're taking pine cones from the polar urals or the western United States, if the Earth is warmer than normal, you're not going to detect any warming. You know why? When the Earth is warmer than normal, you usually have Eastern North America, Western Europe, and the Far East are all warm together. All right? And that uh, actually, when that, when that phenomena happens, that kind of pattern happens, the global temperature goes up. I watch this all the time. When it turns colder in the East, Western Europe, and uh, you see it going into the Far East, you see the global temperature drop. So let's say you're looking at these uh, pine cone uh, representations, but you don't know about teleconnections in the weather. What you say is, well, that, uh, the, the warming in Europe was local. I can't find it in the polar urals or where these brifocones or whatever they come from, right? Well, you know why you won't find it? Because when it's warm in Europe, it's frigid in that part of the world, so you're not going to see it. Yeah. But there's no way, look, it's tough enough to keep the eastern U.S. cold when Europe is warm. It, you know, we just went through this big warm spell with, uh, in, in Europe and the United States. When it was frigid in Europe, turned frigid in the United States. It's got very cold in Europe now. It's the Al Gore effect, folks. is in Davos, so all of Europe is frigid now again. But it's, you're going to find it gets very cold in the United States over the next two weeks. It's getting very cold in the Far East. And wait till late February into March. Relative to averages, there's, there's, there's uh, something going on now which I think that we may pull out of the, uh, the, the cold spell for a while in early to mid-February and then go back the other way, have a very late spring. That's what we're telling our clients. But you can see this stuff coming. You know why? Because I'm looking at maps from 1960, 1960 and lining them up. And what is, what's fascinating about this from my point of view? They're, they're talking about oh, the, uh, the stratosphere is warming up, and that's a sign of global warming. No, it's not. When the stratosphere warms, the troposphere contracts or gets colder. So we look for, believe it or not, we look for stratospheric warming and sudden stratospheric warming events to tip us off that it's going to get very, very cold. So you understand that if you have a column of air from the surface all the way up to the top of the stratosphere, if the stratosphere expands and gets warmer, right? What happens to the, tropo- the troposphere underneath? It contracts and gets colder. So the very thing they're pointing out, well, the polar vortex is breaking down and the stratosphere is warming. That's the opposite of what it's supposed to be doing. You see what I'm saying? If, if the stratosphere was cooling overall, then you say, okay, well that means that the troposphere, what, where we live underneath, it's warming because the column is expanding. The point of the matter is, they will make statements that are exactly opposite of what they mean. It's astounding
1: watching this. And, exact and- opposite, and and this is what you find with COVID too. It was the exact opposite, and and also I I find it again amazing that when you talk about when you don't deal with it clinically. So here too, you, right. you you're out, you know, forecasting. And what what always struck me about weather, I always loved you know focusing on weather as an amateur, um, and I, and I you know to me it was amazing how cyclical it is, how regimented it's almost like mechanical. Like we saw by the way with the seasonal COVID spreads, it was like there was nothing you can do to change it. When it was on, it was on. When it was off, it was off. It does what it does. Nature does what it does. And here, too, it's like when I was growing up, so I remember it being cold in the fall, and we would have even as early as March, April, you know, in the eastern United States, really hot springs. But then the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, you'll correct me on this, but it seems like we're really cold springs, late winter, but then the falls are really the warm air oh, remains yeah. for a well, long time. A, this year was a little nuanced. I mean, so now, how is that humans causing that? Now you, <laughs>
0: what's happening is, look, we have what we call distorted warming. And, and we have, uh, meteorologists have things, uh, something called saturation mixing ratios. And my professor, one of my professors at Penn State, Dr. John Kerr has argued for since the 1970s, when all this stuff was started going on, at that time it was global cooling, that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. You have to look at the water vapor. You have to look at the amount of water vapor in the air. So what you're seeing is a reflection, a reflection of the oceans warming away from the equators. They're warming more in the northern oceans than they are in the southern oceans. Now, why would they be doing that? Uh, uh, I mean, is there a magic CO two ferry that says, "I bequeath thee in the North Pacific that this hot spot yep. will develop"? It no, no. There, and, uh, what I what I have put forth. And I got I got a lot of people on my side of the issue that are bashing me too. I believe, and there is there is some there are people in the private sector that are looking at this. Uh, people that look at volcanic activity that we have had a great increase in underwater volcanic activity in the last thirty years, and especially in the Pacific Rim of Fire, but also in the Mid Atlantic, uh, the, the Mid Atlantic volcanic area, and that would make sense. You know why it would make – I want you just to think about a basic tenet. If you have a pot of water, do you heat that pot of water with a blow dryer or do you heat that pot of water with a stove? And the amount of geothermal energy that with, we don't – it's laughable how little we know about the oceans. What's even more laughable is we won't go and look. It's no different than, than uh, in my opinion, a rush to judgment uh, you know, sometimes cops have a rush to judgment or, you know, okay, that guy's guilty over there. So what happens is, and this is what's so, so hideous about this whole idea is, it explains naturally what's going on. So people say to me, Joe, you have no proof. Well, here's what I have. I have, uh, I have as a meteorologist, observational evidence that something is warming the oceans that is natural. Because it can't be the CO two feedback that can't possibly get more than a millimeter because or two. Because it's
1: only in certain places, right?
0: Well, no. What it's it's fascinating what goes on here. It's general. Well, you have a La Nina, and I think the La Niñas, a lot of the La Ninas are kicked off because of the warming. Think about it. If you're if the Pacific Rim of Fire, which runs from east of New Zealand all the way back toward the western part of the Pacific, and then all the way around to south of Alaska. If that, if that has a lot of activity in it, you warm the ocean there. What do, you do? what do you do when you warm the ocean there? You lower the surface pressures in Asia. What happens when you lower the surface pressures in Asia? You increase the easterly flow across the Pacific. What does that cause? It causes, it causes upwelling. What does upwelling do? It cools the ocean. So it, it, it's, it's absolutely fascinating watching this and 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 what I have done is i've outlined i di- I did this on CFAC about three months ago. I showed people the first big hotspot went off in nineteen eighty five in the north pacific and my my idea is that what's happening is you're getting you're getting that circulation that you have in the Pacific, and the water will conglomerate uh, uh you know accumulate the heat in the North Pacific and then of course the atmosphere will naturally fight back the ocean will naturally fight back it will reverse because as always nature is always trying to adjust this Chatier's principle that's the other thing that's completely thrown to the four winds that you know folks you know what Lachatier's principle is is anytime something is added to a system that is foreign to the system the system will adjust all right establish a new baseline so what i've been observing and what I did, I put out about 15 maps on, is okay, this hot spot goes off. When we cool back down, the ocean is just a t- the overall oceans are a tiny bit warmer. Then another hot spot appears, and then there's still a tiny bit warmer. So the baseline of the oceanic temperatures has been increasing. Well, what does that do? That puts water vapor in the air. If you look at the correlations between water vapor, I've, I spoke about the saturation-mixing ratios. We don't have any such thing, correlation of CO2 to temperatures. We have it for water vapor, though. If you look, a tiny, tiny amount of water vapor, one, listen to this, one-tenth of one gram per kilogram of water vapor increase, where it's 40 below zero will increase the temperature. It correlates to a 10-degree temperature Increase right. Mm. That save That's save. If you wanted a ten degree temperature increase in the tropics, you would need ninety times the amount of water vapor. This is why the whole climate, the climate migrant issue. I'll Gore. I mean,
1: yeah. It, can, can you can you discuss uh, that a little bit about about Latin America where they're coming from the Southern Hemisphere? It's, it's, there's no there's no warming trend there's there.
0: No right. Warming that a human being living for thirty years can possibly detect. I, I think it is warmed in those areas, maybe one tenth of a degree in the last twenty years, as opposed to the Arctic and all the Arctic. <laughs> I gotta tell you something, folks. They hide this stuff. You got to give them credit. They know how to fight in a world that is just.
1: But people don't know what to believe because they have this data: the but, the but, Greenland caps are shrinking, but oh then they're not God. shrinking. You know, the
0: surface mass budget on Green. Yeah, they. I just I just took that apart as I guess it was some some uh, station, KITX, or I don't know what it was. Oh, 2021, we we had this blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The surface mass budget of Greenland was at record highs last year. And for this time of the year, it's off the charts high because it's been snowing so much. Now, I want to get back to this relationship of water vapor to temperature. So what happens is, naturally, you see the warming in the Arctic during its winter. If you look at the Arctic in the summer... For the last 70 years, it has not warmed. Now, why would that be? Because there has not yet been enough water vapor put into the air to affect the temperature at 32, 33. It affects the temperature at minus 30, minus 35. So when, when they do the whole the global temperature is warmer than ever and we're boiling, it, it's distorted because it's all in the north. Now, listen to what this does. When it warms more in the, in the polar areas than it does in the equator, and you guys could all use this at the water cooler today, you know what that does? It decreases zonal potential energy. What is zonal potential energy? It's the gradient between the poles and the equator. What does that mean? Well, guess what? The atmosphere is less likely to get into a fight, and that, uh, when it does get into a fight, yeah, I mean, it can do whatever it wants to do, and nature is always going to try to go to an extreme to try to correct the imbalance and then come back. Like California, for instance, is going to be in a drought the next two months and so much below normal precipitation. And you can see that coming. But what goes on is this overall imbalance is, is decreasing from north to south. The total energy, if we actually try to quantify that, is increasing a bit but it's increasing more in areas that are cold and dry where it really doesn't make a difference as much as it does. Not only that, but you notice what's going on with hurricanes. And, and, you know, I I look at uh, the hurricanes in the Pacific a lot more than I do in the Atlantic for a climate signal. because The Pacific is a bigger, warmer ocean. It's the typhoons are developing further and further North away from the main development area, just as they're doing in the Atlantic. What we have observed over the last 15 to 20 years is that we no longer have a lot of long track storms. Okay, people say, well, we had uh, Irma. Yeah, Irma. If you go, look at, you go look at the maps of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, there were lots of Irmas during that time. These storms that developed yeah. come all, and they were huge. You, people don't understand. Okay, you live, in, you live in Baltimore. When the 44 hurricane came by Maryland, all right, made by Maryland, it drove 20 feet of water into Atlantic City. 20 feet of water. The winds gusted to 156 miles an hour out of the north at Cape Henry. The diameter of hurricane-force winds was reportedly, when the recon went in there, was reportedly over 500 miles, 200 miles to the west, 300 miles to the east. The 44 hurricane was a monster. You take Hurricane Donna. Yep. OK, well, what I'm saying is, Ian,
1: but you d- but you didn't have mass media back then. <laughs>
0: well, no, but what I'm saying is the storm, they get as strong at the center, but they're not nearly as big anymore. Why would that be? Why? Why did a Dorian hit the Bahamas as a five? When it finally got to the United States, it was a one or Matthew coming through the Bahamas as a four or five or Irene coming through the Bahamas as a four Reaching the United States as a one. That didn't used to happen. These storms used to just hit full on. Donna, Carol, Edna, Hazel, just one after another. 33 hurricanes, unbelievable, right? They, they 1933 hurricanes. Yeah. I'm on a roll now. So. The
1: last 20 years, we haven't had much. Yeah, well, you know, we in have, terms of these we direct
0: have, hit. We have smaller, compact storms. Why is that? Because the energy budget is being distorted in the tropics it's being spread away from the tropics right now here's what's really interesting the global the global warming theory says there's supposed to be you know these these, the warming in the arctic that's taking place that's supposed to be occurring over the tropics that's what that's and that was going to lead to the tremendous runaway feedback because if you start warming the air in the tropics and it feeds back you in a heap of trouble, boy. Now that would concern me, but it's going the opposite way. You understand that? And what's what's really crazy is, and there's a paper coming out with Dr. Willie Soon and the uh, the Connolly's father's son team from Ireland, where they've got, I believe, over 45 million balloon measurements, and they've discovered that the Hadley cell. Now, what's the Hadley cell? It's a it's a it's a area over the over the tropics where air rises. It's, uh, and, and the, what they were expecting was that the tropics were going to continue to heat up and the Hadley cell, because air is rising over the tropics, is going to continue to pump moisture into the atmosphere over the tropics and then lead to the heat, the, um, uh, the feedback. Well, guess what's going on? The Hadley cell is weakened. And you know how I know that, that, the, uh, that Dr. Soon, who's an astrophysicist, yeah, I know he's right, because it's drying out over the tropics. And so, if it dries out over Mm. the tropics, the air is sinking over the tropics. It's not that's and that is huge because it.
1: In in other words, uh, Joe, let me let me just zoom this out a little bit. So there's a lot of obviously a lot of dense material, and I want to kind of develop this throughout the year and have you back. We're almost out of time, but to, to zoom this out, the point is, there are so many factors that go into these cyclical trends in the weather throughout the world, different parts of the world, different oceans, the atmosphere, that you could easily glum onto a trend at any moment and stick your superficial theory in it if you have an agenda, and superficially it will look like it's true. But what you're developing is, Alan, in your mind, you're not saying definitively, but you're putting forth a hypothesis of what would better explain the timing, the locations of these warming trends. I just want to end with two things In terms of this trend, so you're saying there there is a trend and you're putting forth a hypothesis of what's causing it. Um, Do you think this is a long-term trend um, or this could easily reverse in 10, 20 years? We could be talking about cooler trends in those areas.
0: Well, only God knows tomorrow. The rest of us just guessed, but it's (laughs) self-limiting because the warmer it gets, the tougher it is to make it warmer. That's the nature of heat. If you people understand Mm. heat, okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is, when it turns colder, it does so suddenly. Now, you made a great point. You made a wonderful point. Springs are, seem to be getting later, and they seem yeah. to be getting later, and uh, the falls are lasting longer. You know why springs are getting later? Because it's snowing more across Canada. Uh, and why is it snowing more? Well, even though it's a little bit warmer in Canada, it's more water vapor, so it's snowing more. You know what happens when there's a lot of snow on the ground? Uh, and the, the Great Lakes have a lot of snow around them. Well, guess what? It leads to the later springs, you seen. That yep. is a – Daniel, it's unbelievable. My dad gave me a book when I was eight years old. He was at uh, A&M at the time, and I lived, lived down there at a and M. A a big Aggie fan, right? But he gave me a book because he saw how addicted to the weather I was as a kid. And my dad was a meteorologist. It was a, <laughs> chapter, it was a chapter in the book about climate change. And this is back in 1963 it describes perfectly what you're saying and what you're seeing going on right now, that there'd be more water vapor in the air. It'll start snowing. Northern hemisphere snow is increasing, right? We're getting more snow cover in the Northern hemisphere, not less overall. And so what happens is it comes, it does come down to the idea that, you know, you have this gradual warming and uh, relative to the entire history and people have weaponized the weather. And by the way, shout out to it was Sean Hannity that put that idea in my head because I have a chapter in my first book, The Weaponization of Weather. And when I wrote that book, I noticed a lot of people started uh, picking up on that term. I'm not saying that I was uh, original, but the, the book had it in there. And He like, said, you've got to write an entire book on that. And uh, I did because I thought that it needed to be understood that they are weaponizing it, no different than they, well, when they weaponize weaponized COVID, you're going to kill your grandmother and grandfather because you don't have a shot or whatever, what is that? That's a form of weaponization, right? Well, any anything? look, if truth is a trait of God, all right? If, if you believe in God, truth, uh, truth is a pathway to God, what is hiding the truth, distorting the truth, or telling lies a trait of, where does that come from? All right. And so if if Paul Harvey folks said this back in 1965 is a great if I were the devil, go Google that. And, you know, people go, I don't want to hear all this stuff. But you got to understand, I'm not saying that Joe Biden or Al Gore evil, but there are certainly ideas out there that run counter to the design of a country that was founded as one nation under God not one government instead of God, and I think that's what you're seeing now.
1: So where are the other people in your profession? I want to talk about that. I think everyone understands now how you create unanimity of opinion in the medical profession. We saw that, the sciences. Um, But in your profession, are there more people, or do they just kind of blindly think, like, yeah, I mean, if I, I, we would have a little bit less carbon in the air, you know, the Miller B nor'easter storms would go 15 miles more in this direction. Like, you know, they really believe that.
0: I, I, I you know what, I try not, when, when I'm with other meteorologists, uh, you know, to me it's like arguing over uh, who's better, the Phillies or the Mets. By that I mean uh, uh, it's not, it's a 10-minute it's a argument me. I know we've, we've gone over this with the public. I simply ask people, okay, do you really believe that the input, all right, let's look at the United States input is 0.000000, an extra 0, 125 of the entire thing. Do you really believe that that overcomes the sun, the oceans, stochastic events, and the very nature of the design of the system when it has never done that before? And perhaps a lot of this is people trying to to self-elevate. You know something? When you erase the past and the greatness of the past, it naturally makes you look better, doesn't it? Suppose you had nothing to compare anything to. Your ideas would be... And look, I'm sorry if I'm getting so heavy about this stuff, but some of this has to do with, I think... The idea that we've been complacent and comfortable, people are striving to do something greater than themselves, striving to yes. let's all solve this problem or that problem. And it's a and so by doing that, they, and, and, they and make you the,
1: really see it that the people who are the least affected by the virus, the Generation Z. They, they, they attach themselves to it with religious devotion because they're largely a generation devoid of God in their lives, and they needed to have a set of religious ethos and precepts well, and dictates to follow.
0: You absolutely, Listen, all of us want to strive for more than what they are. Uh, I mean, we all do. My ideas, and my wrestling coach at Penn State when I was here was one of the first men on the beach in Normandy, William Cole, and he said the rise of the individual leads to the rise of those around him in a free and competitive atmosphere. That's how we designed our wrestling team at Penn State, and it's, it, it, it's even better now. But he would always preach that Amer- uh, wrestling was America's sport because the entire team, let's say you have a, a tough weight class, okay? The, the weight classes around it are usually tough because guys are button heads and competing, we have created a society that is exactly opposite of that today. It doesn't encourage competition. When you have people that won't debate another person or say, oh, I can blow you. If I, if I went into Coach Sanderson here at Penn State and said, hey, Cale, you know what? I can kick your butt on the mat. And he said, okay, well, let's wrestle. I go, no, no, it's a foregone conclusion. I can, I can. Are you kidding me? How is, how, is, how is that the real world? You see what I'm saying? Or your football team, yep. your football team's a favorite football team. You want them to win, but they don't have to play any games. And, and so, you know what, folks? Don't believe me. You've got to look for, if it's important to you, go look for yourselves. The first thing I always ask, uh, ask the question of, of someone that is into there. I say, okay, explain it to me how our input of CO2 is warming the atmosphere. You'd be surprised. You either get no answer at all, well, the scientists say it, or it <laughs> has nothing to do with the actual theory, which, you know, I, I look at yeah. their actual theory, and I, I think that, uh, you know, it deserves a, a place at the table, but I don't think it deserves to be uh, dictating the menu, put it that way.
1: Nope. I mean, you, you better believe that has to be 100% true. I mean, all I know is that, you know, the carbon output was up 1.3% this past year. The green energy is record high, and the warming has largely been stagnant the last whatever, since 2015 or so. So they're yeah, not well, really because, working.
0: That's because of warming. When the El Ninos go off, they put a tremendous amount of water vapor in the air. I've shown this a, a, a thousand times where you can, we have a step up function of atmospheric temperatures that occur when, you know, 97, 98 El Nino, the, 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 the new pause was two tenths of a degree. 97,
1: higher. 98. Right. Oh my gosh. That I won. I want our local geography be in the district. Um, am in 97 on that term, El Nino. <laughs> uh, oh, really? You know, and, and that's obviously, you know, very much responsible, I guess, for the cycles in the eastern United States with these the snowless winters, right? Hey, 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 no, um,
0: lo- wait a minute. Hold on, Jack. I 2002-2003 2000, El Nino winter, 2009-2010 El Nino winter. They're, listen, El Nino and La Nina is like going to a family reunion, all right? There's bound to be one crazy I guess Italian. I mixed it you up. <laughs> uh, uh, you're all, you all got the same blood in you, but there's bound to be one crazy Italian uncle in there. And uh, take, take it, <laughs> take it from experience for me. But but look, there's a lot of lot to talk about. I'd love to talk uh, more with you. I mean, so I don't. I'm not. It's your show. It's not mine. Sure, no.
1: I mean, I, I definitely want to go over some of the critical arguments that are given in some of these technologies they're pushing. But we're at a time now, um, so people could find you more at Big Joe Bastardi on Twitter. There's a lot of good kind of you know. And, and, if You're looking for and, some and, soundbite info. You could find that.
0: If you love the weather, if you love the weather, WeatherBell.com, the company I work for, the premium site is just the maps, the guys I work with, you know what? I, I, I said this, I said this on a talk talking to Tucker uh, Carlson. And I said, you know, if I'm focused on God, his wind is at my back and all those people are part of that wind and the people I work with, God bless them. I, I can't tell you how, how grateful I am that, um, um, yeah, I was grateful for where I was, but I'm even more as far as, uh, forecasting and uh, getting clarity and having a chance to compete every day. You folks got to understand to me, there's no days off. I haven't, I've produced product every day since I joined weather bell, a a a product for value. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that every morning is Christmas to me. I get to get up and unwrap the gift, which is the weather. And that's how I look at the weather. It's a a great amount of gratitude to my heavenly father. So I'm sort of driven by, some other things around here put it that way stranger things no absolutely <laughs> it,
1: it, it you know it takes the politics out of it when you're really just for the love of the issue just like we saw with some of our doctors they love treatment they loved understanding it um, not the politics and and therein lies the difference so again at Big Joe bastardi um, on Twitter Uh, weatherbell.com, and make sure to pick up the weaponization of weather in the phony climate war. Joe, thanks so so much for joining us. Have a terrific weekend.
0: All right, brother. And remember, don't let this stuff get you down. you got to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got.
1: (laughs) All righty. Take care. So, folks, how about that for a little bit of a change of pace, change of weather? Um, Figured we'll have a little bit of a fun discussion. And, yeah, I mean, some of it even went over my head. But the broad point is you could just see how intricate God's creation is. And this notion, it's like saying that you could put up a mask to stop a viral infection. It's the same thing. It's this hubris that they are God. They could play with it. And they'll pick a superficial thing that could be true. Like, COVID was true, except they created it. Now, I'm not saying they did things to create these cycles. This is a little bit different because this is very natural. But, um definitely a lot of lessons there he has a long long view he's literally like followed the weather every day for like 50 years so he has that degree of knowledge to understand this and it reminds me of some of these doctors where you get a guy that has a love for the issue i mean there's no politics and there's no game um so you know very smart very learned on it and just loves the science of it that's where you're going to get the truth from a guy like that, um, not someone who has something to gain from it. But this is no joke. I mean, the the refusal of Republicans to confront this lie has led to this generation long decline that has basically allowed the global governments to have us at their mercy. And we're at the cusp of a big energy crisis because of this and other things um again we're about out of time i want you guys to sign up at conaction.network for a team in a red state um particularly if you could be a team leader remember it's the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter as always hope you guys have a terrific weekend god bless y'all and thank you for listening